Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. I'm not really sharing any revelations when I say that we only get one body and if we don't give an effort to take care of our body, bad things are going to happen. One aspect of our physical health is improving the strength in our body as it really can give so many emotional and mental health benefits. On this episode of Autism Stories, Crystal Raposa joins us to discuss how bodybuilding has helped her and how it can be helpful to so many other autistic people. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Crystal, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me, Doug. It's great to have you and I, I wanted to start out before we get into all the great things that you do. Um, where does your story in the autistic community begin? Oh, man. I mean, that's such a loaded question for all of us. But <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> the, the simple answer is I always kind of suspected, and it wasn't until, like, I think it was about 16 years of, diagnos- of misdiagnosis that... Um, Things got so bad that I finally had to stand up for myself and say, I know this is autism, I just need a diagnosis. And and I'm not against anybody self-diagnosed, it's just for me, I needed the diagnosis for validation after being misdiagnosed and invalidated and spoken over for so long. I just needed desperately a clinician to say, yeah, this is it. And then from that point, I felt empowered to really get involved with the community and really start, you know, expressing my experiences, you know, putting myself out there and comparing, contrasting, and and really starting that journey of validating myself and finding myself and all that stuff that we all do when we get diagnosed late. And how did you find uh, a clinician that ultimately ended up uh, giving you a diagnosis? So I had to dig a little bit. I had to call around. I had a lot of places tell me they only diagnose children. And I finally found a place that, and I don't even entirely really like their philosophy on autism, like the way that they kind of assessed it was like, well, if you don't make eye contact, then you must have autism. And if you do, then you don't. Like they were, they were very much like came at it from the eye contact angle, which we all know is a point of contention. <laughs> So um, it was a little weird in that sense, but again, I just needed that validation, and um, I was happy, too, that that they were willing to expand to adults, you know, like, that is very rare, and I do feel like it's a step forward, so I felt like, you know, love it, but it's definitely a step forward. I always love talking to fellow podcasters, so tell our listeners that haven't heard what, what's the name of your podcast, and what is it all about? So I have a podcast called Autistic Bodybuilding, and to be honest, it's evolving as time goes on. I've been really trying to listen to the feedback of my fans and stuff like that, and people have been really wanting to hear personal experience on the podcast. So I said I'd re-release it in July, but instead I've kind of taken a step back. I'm really trying to make sure I get anything transcribed that hasn't been. And I'm trying to find people who want to talk about their fitness journey 
and also answer people's questions on the podcast. So I'm really trying to be more experience-oriented on the podcast. So if anybody wants to listen, now's a good time to listen. It's called Autistic Bodybuilding, and um, now's a good time to get caught up before I start re-releasing podcasts uh, this month. And, and where can people go to listen to Autistic Bodybuilding? Absolutely anywhere that you get podcasts. I went through a site called Anchor, and they're fantastic if you're just starting out, and they kind of release me to everyone. So pretty much anywhere you get podcasts, you can search me. Mm-hmm. Now, I've met several autistic people that have really embraced bodybuilding. What is it, is it about bodybuilding that has caused for you, for it to become a passion? So it was the first thing that helped. Uh, Through all those years of misdiagnosis and everything and not really having the words to describe what was going on, bodybuilding emerged as the one thing that helped. It makes sense because occupational therapists use something called heavy work for autistic children. And basically the idea is to get them to exert hard enough where they start to have to focus on their body. So it's kind of like a way of uniting the brain and the body. Of course, I knew none of this when I started. It was just, well, I seem to freak out a lot less. You know, I used to call my meltdowns freakouts because I didn't know what they were. You know, And uh, I, I knew I freaked out a lot less. I seemed to be a lot less irritable, and I had a lot better focus if I went and lifted weights at least three times a week, if not more. And that's really where the passion started. And then the idea was, well, if this helps me, it obviously helps other people. And if you've ever talked to other bodybuilders, which I'm guessing you have, by the way, that you just said um, you've met other, other autistics that are into bodybuilding, we all kind of say the same thing. Like, we are all very damaged people just trying to find a way to feel whole in those moments. So it's a beautiful story a lot of us have. And what about people that, that might be interested in bodybuilding, but they, they're wondering, where the heck do I start? What are some initial steps they could take to get involved? Well, I think the first thing that anybody that's interested in bodybuilding actually does, like, let's start with the realistic starting point, and then I'll tell you what I think you should do. <laughs> Realistically, we all just go online and go, like, whole hog, and just, like, look up all of these bodybuilding people. Just, like, okay... What's Dana Lynn Bailey doing? And, you know, I've gone blank on a bunch of other people. Um, oh, Kai Green, he's another one of my favorites. He's hilarious. He's just so nerdy, and he, he likes to do all these different characters, so he's a lot of fun. But then I think the second thing you have to do is look at this stuff that you're seeing, and just like anything else when you're autistic, take a step back, translate it for what you need. So look at what everyone else is doing and then say, okay, but I'm autistic, so how does this translate for me? Can I go full beast mode every single day? (laughs) You know, probably not. (laughs) You have a meltdown that day that's really draining. You're not, that was your beast mode. You're not going to go beast mode now in the gym, you know. So it's really a matter of taking all that information that you get at first when you're all excited and distilling it into something that you can digest and of course that's what I'm here for that's what my YouTube's for and I'm always trying to distill that information and make it palatable for autistics and translate it for us and our needs. 
So don't go on YouTube and, and check out these world-class bodybuilders and then play the comparison game that and then make yourself feel bad about it. Yeah, well, that's good <laughs> advice for any bodybuilder. Like, I think we all, it, there's a fine line between studying and comparing. That's what I like to say to people. So I run long distance, and I know for me that has helped me as an adult in terms of being aware and paying attention to my body signals. So I was wondering, how do you think bodybuilding has helped you and could benefit other autistic people in, in that area? So I think bodybuilding, so running, first of all, I want to say running is amazing. It's an amazing way of doing the same thing bodybuilding does, and I don't want to discount running whatsoever. Like the amount of focus you have to have, especially to run long distance, is incredible. Like it's a totally different mindset to what I do. And I actually had an instructor in fitness college that would always say he could solve the world's problems while he was running because he just felt so focused and in the zone. So running is a great replacement for the heavy work of bodybuilding. It's still a form of heavy work. So I just kind of wanted to throw that in there real quick. But um, for bodybuilding, bodybuilding unites my brain with my body in the sense of I struggle a lot with interoception and proprioception, and it really helps me when I have to focus on my form, and I have to focus on, you know, I don't want to hurt my back, and I don't want to hurt my knees, and all this stuff. It really puts me in this zone of, I have to pay attention. I have to focus, or I'm going to hurt myself, and that layer of danger almost snaps me into focus. That's what gives me the focus that I can't achieve when I'm running. But yeah, it's it's different for everybody, I think, is where I'm going with it. But for me, it's, it's more of a meditative practice where I can tune into my body and I really can't think about anything else in my brain while I'm lifting because I have to be tuned in so that I don't hurt myself. And that danger kind of helps. I also climb mountains for the same reason, because that danger of having, you know, a 2,000 foot drop on either side of you snaps me into proprioception pretty fast. Like, you can't really, it's funny, your brain will almost turn off that clumsiness, because you can't really be clumsy or you'll really get hurt. So I'm always fascinated by that, by how clumsy I can be when I'm not in that zone, and then how clumsy I, how it almost how graceful I can be when I am lifting or climbing mountains or doing something that activates that part of my brain. What about the technique of bodybuilding? Because I, I had a personal trainer for about six months and did a very little amount of bodybuilding a long time ago. And, and what I remember from that experience is really paying attention to the technique and and using the muscles in the body that I was never that I wasn't aware of previously that I would even pay attention to. Well, I find that especially even for myself, but for autistics in general, a lot of my coaching is telling people it's okay to not be advanced yet. Getting people to be patient with themselves. Like, even for me, I, you know, I'll plateau at a certain weight on deadlifts because my body at a certain weight just doesn't feel like it's in the right position. And I have to be patient with myself. Deadlifts, and the reason I bring them up is one of the things that people 
I think, have to be the most patient with because you can really hurt yourself if you don't do those right. And um, what I do is I, I just kind of get people to learn that position without any weight first. And I'll have to do that to myself. Over time, I'll start to feel my back or my core isn't activating the right way to, to execute my deadlifts the right way. And I'll even have to go from lifting like two, 200 pounds off the ground all the way down to lifting absolutely nothing just to keep my back straight again and, and relearn that proprioception and relearn my body in that position. It's doable for us. To answer your question, it, it's definitely doable for us to get into those positions, but I find it's not like a neurotypical learns it and they always just do it. For us, it's every single time we step in the gym, we're relearning something, we're tweaking something, we're reminding ourselves about something over and over again. It's, it's a constant, we're constantly relearning our bodies in that way. Hmm. Now, what, what about um, personal trainers and coaches? I know... All of them are not made equal, certainly. Um, and I know on your, your podcast you talked about how this can be challenging to find a good coach in bodybuilding, especially for autistic people. What are some things people should ask or look for in determining if a good coach is a good fit for you? For personal training, you really, if you feel like you're not being listened to, that is the main red flag. And what I like to tell people is it doesn't matter if you're actually being listened to, if you're just interpreting the person wrong, it really doesn't matter. If you don't feel listened to, you're not going to get what you need. Mm -hmm. So it's, and it's hard for us autistics, we're very empathetic, we like really don't, don't want to upset the status quo, I think, because a lot of trauma in that sense. But it's a matter of you have to realize that at the end of the day, you're, you're the one that's trying to reach your goals. You're the one that's paying this person. And they, as a coach, expect you to move on if it's not a good fit. So you've got to do what's best for you first and foremost. Now, of course, this applies to bodybuilding coaches as well. But I would say the biggest red flag I see with bodybuilding coaches specifically is trying to put their people on like substances, uh, steroids, testosterone, things like that to compensate for their lack of coaching knowledge. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that bodybuilders don't do stuff like that. But what I am going to say is that until uh, even the bodybuilders that do steroids and stuff like that, they're not doing it right out of the gate. They're not doing it at an amateur level for local shows. The ones that have longevity that do that stuff, they're doing it when they get like into nationals, like internationals, like crazy level stuff. So if you want to get into bodybuilding and you have a coach that's like, okay, we're going to juice you on all this stuff, run away. That's my biggest advice for that because... A lot of the time they're doing it to compensate for their own lack of knowledge. Because you can get pretty far without juicing, and some people get all the way without juicing ever. So you're a two-time National Physique Committee Figure Masters Champion and a one-time National Figure Committee Open Figure Champion from Colorado. Pretty impressive. I would imagine it takes an incredible amount of dedication how in the heck do you find the balance in your life to commit to this, especially when at times when you might be running low on spoons? 
Oh, God. So I'm not going to lie, I don't always find a balance. Um, and I've just kind of accepted that not always having balance is part of having my disability. And that's just how it is. And sometimes I'm going to hyper-focus and I'm going to freak out. So really, I don't want to say I don't have any balance, because I do have some balance. But I see balance more in terms of a weekly or a monthly process rather than a daily process. So for me, it's more like, okay, I, I make sure that if I'm going to be competing for three months, I'm going to have flexibility in my jobs. I let the, you know, I'm a housekeeper by day, part-time. So I let my clients know like, hey, I'm going into a show phase. I might be a little bit off. You know, I'm fortunate enough to have built my life, it took me most of my 20s to do this, but built my life in such a way where the people around me do know what I'm involved in, and they do know about my disability, and they do know how it's going to affect me, and I can be very honest in that sense. So in terms of balance, I don't, basically I've taken the need to be completely balanced and be totally cognizant off the table. I've allowed myself some leeway to get out of whack and get kind of screwed up and, and be a little bit weird. Yeah. So, so in terms of, of balance, it's just, it's more of a flow. It's more of a, I flow with what I need to do. Now, of course there are times when I'm bodybuilding and, and I have to juggle my meals and my work and everything in the same day. And that particular day is really difficult to get through. And, to be honest, I use a healthy dose of uh, medical marijuana. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that on here, but it's true. That's what I use. Um, I'm a med card holder, so I use medical marijuana to help me stay focused so that I don't my thoughts don't run away on me too much and freak me out. And I might also, I've been dabbling in a few different herbal supplements. I'm very open about that on the podcast as well, about things that I try and things that work. Lately, lion's mane has been working really well. I get a lion's mane coffee. It's a form of mushroom, and it just seems to help keep me focused throughout the day. I don't feel like my thoughts are running off so fast that I can't keep up. And for me, that's usually what takes me out of balance, and that'll happen whether I'm competing or not. You talked a little bit a few times. You've talked about your hyper-focus. How does that help you like, in relation to bodybuilding? It helps a lot. So a lot of people think that dieting is the hardest part of bodybuilding. Like neurotypicals especially will complain, like, I hate the diet. For me, though, it's a great outlet for my hyper-focus. So I can hyper-focus on the diet, which is a moving thing. It happens every day, all day. And I don't end up hyper-focusing on something in my life that stresses me out. I'm actually kind of convincing myself to go on another show diet as I'm saying this because I could really use an outlet for that hyper-focus lately. <laughs> in terms of your diet, do um, you have any sensory sensitivities that affect your diet? Yeah. So I actually have a lot of them. Um, for me... I can't eat anything gushy, but that's always been a thing. Um, and I can't eat meat. I have had issues eating meat for most of my life. Meat is pretty inconsistent in its texture. And so what can happen is I could maybe eat a piece of chicken that has gristle or, 
maybe I'll eat a piece of beef that had like the bone ground in a little bit. Maybe they missed a chunk of bone or something. And that would mess up my appetite for weeks. So I've actually had to learn to be a vegan bodybuilder in order to not mess up my appetite. Which a lot of people are like, oh, that's so amazing that you choose to be vegan as a bodybuilder. I'm like, I don't think my veganism was a choice. I kind of just can't eat meat. Like, it just grosses me out too bad. So, really, that's the hardest part, I think, is trying to get enough. And I mean this, and I don't want to make it sound like vegans don't get enough protein. Because we do. But as a bodybuilder, getting that much more protein as a vegan and only being able to get it through like tofu over and over and over again luckily they've given us some new vegan meats but of course I don't want to just eat soy constantly either so it's this constant balance of trying to get enough protein without while still trying to diversify my diet while still trying to not eat meat no matter how sometimes it's actually really tempting like oh chicken would be so easy right now though and then I'm like yeah but gross me out I'm not going to eat for like a month it's not worth it that's my main sensory stuff with food and with bodybuilding and of course I have actually been doing a nutrition series on my YouTube where I've talked about that a lot like another thing too is I have to eat peanut butter once a day which is really high in fat so I have to plan my diet around that because for some reason I just need peanut butter What, what about your diet in terms of executive functioning stuff? There's a lot of planning and can be many steps in, in making meals. Do you have suggestions on how to make this process just even a little bit less overwhelming? have backup plans. <laughs> I have a lot of backup plans. Like I know that I can get a salad from Noodles & Company with tofu, or I know that I can get a burger from Carl's Jr. Like, just... When your executive function is at its best, because this is what I do, I, I make sure that I research things that I can eat for when my executive function is absolutely out the window. So I know I have some kind of go-to if something goes wrong. The problem is a lot of places don't post their nutrition facts online, mm -hmm. so... The biggest thing is finding places that post their nutrition facts. Uh, Tokyo Joe's is another good one for that. So a lot of those like weird little chains, like you know, like they're not like fast food chains, but they're like you go through the line kind of chain things, like those kind of things, like made to order chains. Those are usually pretty good with nutrition facts. So those are a good places to start. And thinking about the future, what do you hope to do in relation to bodybuilding? I would love, I'm trying not to say that this is a pipe dream or a high hope. I'm like, I have to think of it as realistic, but it's hard to think of it as realistic. I would love to be the first openly autistic Ms. Olympia figure champion. I would just love that. I, you know, it's, it's my dream. It's, I think I can do it. I know I can do it. It's just, can I break through the social clutter of the bodybuilding world and get that far? I don't know. That's that's the part that kind of scares me is the, the social aspect, the politics of it. What are what is the the kind of the social clutter of that world? So I I think in any world there's like a social hierarchy, and you know you have the people who 
they're on a certain team and so everybody knows who they are and they of course have a little bit of an advantage because their team has you know they know some of the judges and all this other stuff and and I compete all by myself and I like to compete by myself just because of my autism and everything but of course like I said I'm not part of a team and I don't have a coach that like goes and parades me in front of people and has already has a following and is already established and says look at my client they're gonna do amazing things like I am the coach and the client and I'm like look at me I'm amazing yay kind of weird to toot your own horn like that so yeah that's kind of what I mean well I I love that goal and I love the your energy uh, so and thanks so much for joining us today thank you for having me Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks so much to Crystal for the conversation. Running and yoga are definitely exercises that work well for my body, but I do realize as I'm getting older that increasing my strength is important for my body. Crystal, thanks for the added motivation to start looking into that more seriously. If I can just get a little bit stronger, I know that can go a long way. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On next week's episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Andrew Camaro about helping autistic people in making the best financial decisions for their lives. Talk to you then.